Amen, amen. Hey, let's pray. God, thank you for that truth that we just received. Ah, Jesus, you are the cornerstone of all we do. Lord, if we are not on that stone, we are on shaky ground. And so I pray today, we've refocused our lives. Today, as we leave this place, we will be more understanding of what you are going to do in and through our lives, through Jesus working inside of us. Lord, I pray that if there be some here today who do not have Jesus as that cornerstone, that today would be a day their eyes would be opened, their lives would be placed on him. We'll give you glory and praise. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for what we're going to do here now. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. Well, eight weeks ago, we as a church, hundreds of us, joined in a journey called First Baptist Stormwatch. And uh, over a thousand of us every Sunday, weekend, three morning worship services, five to six hundred of you joining throughout the week in homes throughout the city of Stockton and surrounding towns. We joined in to see what God wanted us to do and to learn, and I believe without a doubt, if you have taken the time and focused your attention and been here on a weekly basis and focused on the readings that we've done and learning from them and hearing God's voice and taking that all seriously, that you are a different person than when our storm series began, that you are certainly more equipped to handle the storms that may come in your lives over the next weeks, months, and years. And I'm confident that God has spoken to each and every one of us and have reminded us of his truth that we've been studying in Philippians, and certainly in Philippians 1, 6, it talks about he who began a good work in us is going to be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ when he comes again for us. And he is molding us, and he is shaping us, and he is bringing that work into completion. Now, we might not like the way that storms interact and do that to us. We may not like how Jesus and God is working on our lives to bring that about. But even as it says in Romans 8, 28, we've talked about this in the series as well, that we know that God works together for the good, that God has a good purpose behind what is taking place, and he is forming us and shaping us. He has called us according to his purpose. We love him, and we know that he is working. Now, at times, though, those storms in our lives can kind of feel like correction or they can feel like discipline, and, and we don't like that. I mean, nobody likes correction, do we? Right? Reminds me of a story about um, a young man who got a parrot as a gift. And we're in the Christmas kind of gift-giving season now. And he got a a, a parrot for a gift. I'm not sure if any of you have ever gotten that. But for this man, um, this was a unique bird that unfortunately had a very bad attitude. In fact, he had a worse vocabulary. I mean, he was horrendous. Every word out of the The bird's mouth was rude and obnoxious and laced with profanity. In fact, the man tried to change the bird in so many different ways. He tried to use polite words. He tried to play soft music. He did anything else that he could to clean up the bird's vocabulary. Finally, the man was fed up, and so he yelled at the bird, and the bird yelled back at him. And so he got up and he shook the bird, the parrot, and it got angry back at him and more rude at him. And finally, in desperation, the man throws his hands up, grabs the bird, and throws him in the freezer. 
few minutes later, the parrot is still squawking, kicking and screaming, but then suddenly it stopped, totally quiet. Not a peep was heard for over a minute from the bird. Fearing that the man had hurt the parrot, the man quickly opened the freezer door and the parrot stepped out into the man's outstretched arms and said this, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. I'm sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. To which the man was stunned at his change of behavior and attitude. And so just as he was about to ask the parrot what had made him change and such a dramatic change in his behavior, the bird spoke up very softly and said, "Uh, may I ask what the turkey did? So as you cooked that bird this week, remember, that was a bad bird, right? That was a bad bird. But correction correction isn't fun, is it? It's not fun to be corrected. And sometimes we bring storms upon ourselves, and it shapes us, and it brings about correction in our lives. Other times, storms come on our lives for no apparent reason. We didn't see them coming. We, we We didn't understand it in the midst of it. But maybe afterwards we have a bigger perspective. In fact, some of you over the past two months have gone through some pretty major storms. Remember on the first week, I I shared that there were three different types of people who who we're going to be speaking to. Those who were in storms, those who were just exiting some sort of storm, and those who were entering a storm but perhaps did not even know it yet. And so over the past eight weeks, some of you have had the death of a loved one. Some of you have had a job loss or change. Some of you have had financial hardships in your life. Some of you have had relationship breakup, marital breakups. Some of you have gone through some major disappointments in life. Some of you have gone through some major health concerns and problems in life. Let me, let me share with you about one family who has gone through um, a difficult time, a difficult storm. Even in this last week, last Saturday, I got a call from the Wright family, and I see them all sitting right up here, about four rows back here downstairs, um, and Bill Wright had fallen down a flight of stairs at his work. And as he had done that, he fell to the bottom of the stairs and got up, kind of shook things off a little bit. His wife was right there to kind of help him and, 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 and try and say, are you okay? Let's get to the hospital. You know, as a man often does, says, oh, just take it easy. Let me, let me gain my composure here. And, and then decided, yes, he needed to go to the hospital. And so went to the ER, walked into there. They got him in. They kind of did some triage on him, understanding, took some x-rays, trying to figure out what was taking place here. He walked back out into the, to the waiting room, sat down, and soon the neurosurgeon came right out and said, uh, Mr. Wright, you broke your neck. He said, don't joke about that type of thing. The guy said, I don't joke about that type of thing. You broke your neck. Bill Wright broke his neck, his C2 vertebrae. Kind of, if you remember, a Christopher Reeve, Superman, went through that. We're getting bucked off of a horse a number of years ago and was paralyzed. That was the same bone that Bill had broken. Now he's there and the doctor is telling him, we have to rush you up to uh, Sacramento to get more care uh, and take care of you. 
And in the midst of this, here's the family. So they're putting out phone calls. They're asking people to pray. I get a phone call as well. Prayed with the family saying, hey, we are going to do whatever we can. We're asking what, what may take place. What could happen? Could it be paralysis? Uh, could it be a halo they has to wear for weeks? What, what was taking place? We, we didn't know. The bone, though, here's the miracle in all this. The neurosurgeon told Bill that the bone was a clean break. In fact, he said you had a 1 in 10 billion chance of it breaking as it did. Meaning that he's not going to have, hopefully, any permanent damage whatsoever. In fact, as I talked with Bill and Marie this last um, uh, Friday, he has not even been in pain throughout this whole ordeal. Does not have to wear any sort of a halo, just has a neck brace. In fact, has it on right now. Has a neck brace on right there. That's really all that the complication has been throughout this. As I talked with Bill and his wife, they could not stop thanking God, praising God, for guiding him down those stairs, because it could have been worse. It could have been worse. But that clean break. In fact, they said on the x-ray, you can just slide a pencil now between where his bone was. Many times the bone will break and shatter, and that's when it severs the spinal cord, and that's where paralysis happened. God just kind of guided that one so that did not take place. But here's the thing in the midst of their family. I know they were giving praise in the midst of that. I know they would have still been giving God praise if it had been worse. If there had been more complications, if there would have even been paralysis in the midst of that. Because that's the kind of family they are. They know how to walk through these storms. They know that God walks through these storms together with us. And at times he protects us from greater disaster. In times some of those things might come about, but we don't know how they're all fitting together. But God is in control. And so let me just remind you of a few truths that, that we talked about a few weeks ago um, as we entered into this storm series. And you might want to just take a few notes on here. I don't have any fill-ins for you to walk through or, or write up. But we had talked about how storms in life are inevitable. And they're unpredictable and they are impartial. That they happen to all of us. And we don't get to choose when they happen to us. They happen to the just and the unjust. They happen to the righteous and to the unrighteous. We don't get to choose the when. We don't get to choose the where. We don't get to choose the how long. But what we do get to choose is not asking the why questions, but the what next questions. I mean, that's what amazed me most about Bill when I talked to him throughout the week and then I talked to him again on Friday. He was already saying, okay, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? I know you were involved in this. I know you were right there. So what next? And every, I mean, literally dozens and dozens of dozens of people and calls and phone calls have come in and people have stopped by and visited him and such. Every one of them knows that he's a believer. If they didn't before, they do now. Because that's the kind of person he is and that's what he's doing in the midst of this kind of a storm of saying, all right, God, what do you want to do? What can I learn from this? Where do I see God working even in the midst of this? Those are the questions that I would hope you would ask yourself when you are going through a storm. Maybe another one would be, where am I trying to take control and wrestle it away from God? Because one of the most unsettling things about going through a storm is that we probably feel like we're out of control when we do, don't we? We feel like we're, we're not sure where this is leading. We, we probably feel out of control in the midst. But let me give you a little different teaching on that then. For you to be out of control is an okay thing. Because you are never supposed to be in control. Who's supposed to be in control? Okay, let's not forget that. 
It's okay for you to be out of control, to allow God to be in control. And to surrender more into his will. And to lean into him in the midst of what you are going through. Remember the teaching we gave about a month ago, right? God, remember where we ended it? God, not. Oh, you already forgot this one, all right? Okay, try it with me. Okay, you ready? Got your little pointer fingers going? All right. God, not. Try it one more time, all right? God, not. Yeah. If we would just come to that place of saying, all right, God, I might not understand it all, but you do. And we have a loving God. We have a God who I can trust. God, see, God allows storms in our lives to grow us and to shape us. Much like, let me remind you, a rubber band is no good unless it's stretched. It's not useful. What, what, you, you try and find a useful thing for rubber band on its own. Nothing. Just lay in there. But you stretch it to put it to use. Same thing with us. We get stretched. Sometimes we get into our comfort zone and we don't get stretched. When we get stretched, then we start saying, okay, what's going on around here? God, how do you need to use me? We've had some great storms come through. We had one at the end of October and another one in, 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 in uh, November and again yesterday. Probably not great storms by, by other standards, but great storms by our standards here in the valley, right? Um, and, and they've been a blessing. It reminds me of the snow that's already fallen up in the foothills um, and, and thinking about ski season coming. And, and it, I, I thought about this yesterday, that nobody has ever learned how to ski or to snowboard taking lessons in the ski lodge. Right? Nobody has ever sat by a crackling fire when the fire is going and said, let me just kind of put in a video here and learn how to ski by the ski instructors as I sit here and watch. Doesn't happen, does it? What do you do to learn how to ski? You learn by getting out on the mountain. You learn by being in the cold. You learn by being in the snow. You learn by falling. You learn by learning over time. And I was, I was so reminded of this a couple of years ago when my son wanted me to learn how to snowboard. I'm not sure how many of you have, have snowboarded, but um, I, I've been skiing since I was, was, I was three. And so that, that comes like secondhand to me. In fact, I forgot how difficult skiing can be because I'm so used to doing it. But when I got on that snowboard, huh, <laughs> wow. And can I just say the older you get, the harder that ground feels, Right? I mean, I'm just slamming my body onto the ground, just wham. And one time I remember just bam, just taking that, and you know, you got snow here and you got snow there. And I remember rolling over and looking up and saying, God, why am I doing this? (laughs) And then I see out the corner of my eye my son come flying down the hill, just cutting, psh, 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 you, psh, psh, psh. And I said, that's why I'm doing this, to spend time with him, time I wouldn't have given up for the world. And I wonder if perhaps sometimes we bring out hardships or we're allowed to go through hardships because it refocuses ourselves on how good we have it and how good of a God we have and how he wants so desperately to spend time with us. I don't believe God causes those things to happen in our life. But I believe I know he uses those things. And in the midst of those kinds of storms, he's asking, hey, remember me. Spending time with me. 
A God who loves you, a God who is guiding you through these things. See, here's the truth. How you deal with storms says a lot about your Christian faith. Let me say that again. How you deal with storms says a lot about your Christian faith. Do we just praise him when the good things happen? Or do we praise him in the storm? Do we praise him in the storm? Or do we panic in the storm? What kind of foundation have you laid in your life? We just sang that song, Cornerstone. That's the foundation I pray you have in your life. I see Annette and Sergio Garcia down here and Josh. We saw your video last week. You think about the foundation that they have laid in their life to be able to take on a storm with their daughter having leukemia and and how we've come around and and said, we're going to be praying for that family because you're not out of the woods. We know that, but we're praying for that. And we know that you're leaning hard into God in the midst of this. I've talked with other families and and, and, and two or three of you, even coming in today, I said, how are you doing? Someone said, "We've, we've had a lot of loss in our family this year. It's been difficult. It's been tough. I pray that your foundation is Jesus. I pray that he is the cornerstone, knowing that you have a God who loves you, who sent his son Jesus Christ to this world, emptied himself, our God, emptied of himself to become a form of a man, that is Jesus, who lived on this world, who taught. We have all that we need to know about Jesus and his life in these words. And these words in here say that he went to the cross to die for us so that we might have a relationship with God, the Heavenly Father. And by knowing God, by knowing God experiencing peace in life, by knowing God through his son Jesus, we know that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives who leads us, who teaches us, who guides us through life, takes us even through the storms, reminding us, look up, look up, look up. God is still doing something in the midst of maybe some trials and some hardships and some pain in life. In fact, look at how Jesus says this. If you have your Bibles, would you open them up to Matthew chapter 7? This verse is up on the uh, screen. It's also in your outline that you have in front of you. But if you have your Bibles, open them up. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is um, given a long teaching. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. His probably longest uninterrupted teaching time we have recorded in Scripture. So he says a lot. He has a lot to say. And he ends it, the teaching time, with this. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, not just hear them, but does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the, what's the word there? There's the foundation on the rock, onto the words that Jesus is saying, onto the truth, onto him as your foundation. It says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat the house. In other words, here come the storms because they're going to come. But at the end of the storm, it says, but that uh, and the wind and beat the house, but it did not fall. The house did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on, what's the word there? On the sand. On the shifting foundation. On the foundation that doesn't hold when the storms come. He says, and the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house again, the storms of life. And it fell and great 
was the fall of it. Again, how you deal with the storms of life tell a lot about your Christian faith. See, when you gave your life to Christ, you gave it to him with everything. You gave everything over to him. Trust him that God knows what he's doing. And even in the midst of the storm, God still knows what he's doing. You gave your life over to him so that he could form you, so that he could shape you, so that he could mold you, so that he could chisel you into who he wants you to be. In fact, the verse there out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, talks about that. He says, you, you know what you are? You are my workmanship. You are my poema. The Greek word says, you are my poem, I'm writing, I'm crafting. You are my workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand for you to do, so that you would would just walk in them. I am making you my masterpiece. I am making you into my son. That's what I'm doing. And sometimes God uses the good times and the mountaintop experiences. Sometimes he uses the storms in our lives. To bring that about. Some of you are familiar with uh, two men who call themselves the skit guys. They uh, perform powerful truths and they do it by drama and through video. And so um, I've showed uh, uh, one or two pieces of theirs. I know some of our other ministries, women ministries and other things have shown some of these and done some of their dramas. But probably the most powerful video they have is the one called God's Chisel. And uh, so we're going to watch that right now. It's about 10 minutes or so, a little longer than I normally show, but it is a powerful, powerful truth that I think you will watch and see in the midst of whatever you may be going through, how God uses these things to work on us. Let's take a look. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know, I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? (sighs) Yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? 
I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus. All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, You compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. (laughs) I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away, because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just, um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is, you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um... It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. That hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years. These empty 
wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways just, are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. But you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning... And I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just... Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, 
and use me. That God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Let me remind you. Let me remind you of that. And as I reminded you at the beginning of this message, that he who began that good work in you will be and is so faithful to complete it until the day he comes back. Until the day that Jesus comes back for us, he will continue to mold us. He will continue to shape us. He will continue to chisel us for one purpose and one purpose only. That is to make us more like his son, Jesus. And then he steps back and says, ah, now you're my masterpiece. And when we graduate from this world, from this earth, we will be with him and like him. Joined together forever. Giving up control is nothing to fear. Because we have a good God. We have a great God. We have a God who is just. We have a God who has begun a good work in us. And is so faithful. And will bring it to completion. And the storms don't have to be feared. The chiseling does not have to be feared. Because here's the truth. We fear too much because we trust God too little. And so my challenge to you is, do you believe that God is still in your storm? Do you believe that he is still there? He walks through them with us. Let me give you one last thought, maybe a word picture that will keep this with you. You see on the screen behind us um, a picture of a hurricane. I'm not sure which one this was. My administrative assistant found it. It probably is Hurricane Katrina. Um, here's the storm, obviously, here's uh, Florida and the Gulf Coast states, Gulf of Mexico and Mexico here. Uh, What do you notice is right in the middle of that hurricane? Yeah. The eye of the storm. The eye of the hurricane. 
You know, people have said as hurricanes have passed over and that I comes, go ahead and show the next slide there, that there is kind of an eerie calmness to be felt in that eye. As a storm blows over and then the eye comes over. In fact, the people have said there's been birds that fly in that and they tweet and they just are enjoying and going about the things. Maybe even some sense oblivious to what is on the outsides. That's where I pray we get in the storm that God will keep us there. Outwardly, we may feel like we are on the edges of the hurricane taking the full brunt, but inwardly, that we could have a peace and a calm that only comes from being in that eye because we know his eyes on us. What you believe about God in the midst of going through a storm will either bring you praise or bring him praise or it will send you into panic. Do you believe your God is good? Do you believe your God is just? Do you believe your God is loving? Do you believe your God walks through those storms with you? Let's pray together. Yeah, we don't like the storms. We don't like the chisel work that has to be done. And yet, in the midst, we know that if we trust in you as a good God, if we trust in you in an, as an all-knowing God who loves and has our best interests in mind and your praise and your purpose for our lives, then we can rest to know that what goes on around us is still in your control and you are still active. You are aware. You are bringing us through difficult times. God, I I thank you for the truth that we've learned over these past eight weeks of how good you are even when storms in life arise. Lord, to be honest, we brought some of the storms on ourselves. For others of us, those storms have just happened. But none of us are immune. And so, God, whether today we're at the mountaintop or we're in the midst of the storm, I thank you that you are the constant, that you are the cornerstone, that you are the foundation, that we lean into you and only you. God, forgive us when we search for other foundations. Forgive us when we have built our lives and our trust and our uh, desires upon the sand. God, may they be built upon the rock and the rock only. God, the storms in our lives reveal so much about our faith. And I thank you that you're a God who is always forgiving, always grace-filled, and always with arms outstretched, saying, lean into me. Lean into me. Folks, if you're here today and um, you have not built your life upon the words of Jesus and putting those into practice, then when the storms come, you'll crumble. I trust that today would be a day where you would say yes to Jesus. Because he doesn't send you out into the storms alone. He walks through them 
with us. And so what God did is he sent his son Jesus to this world to die for our sins so that we can have a relationship with God once again. Jesus became that sin sacrifice that pleased God, that allowed him to open the way for a relationship with his children. And today, if you're ready to take that step of faith and say, God, I, I want you to be the one to walk through the storms with me. God, I surrender my life to you. God, I will trust you in the good times. I will trust you in the bad times. Lord, today, I know I need a faith beyond myself. Today, I place my faith in you. Then it's a simple prayer of saying, God, I, I've given up doing it my own way. I surrender to your way. I believe you are your son, uh, God's son, Jesus who came to this world to die for me. And today I accept you by faith. I turn now from my own ways and I follow yours. And in your own heart, with those words I just prayed, if you could say in your own heart an amen, then God promises to come in and dwell in your life. God promises his spirit to be a part of your life. So my challenge at the end of this service would be that you would either talk to the person who brought you, come talk to one of us here up in front of the sanctuary, one of the pastors on staff, or to go to our Next Step Center. They'll also explain and give you some information on that decision that you have just made that is the best, the greatest, the only decision that matters when this life ends. God, I thank you for walking with us. I thank you for sending people to walk with us as well. I know that five or 600 people have been able to walk together through this study through Philippians and the storm series and that we have others around us now who are in place when major storms hit. Yet sometimes even just storm warnings get us a little fearful. It helps to have those people come around and pray for us. And so, Lord, I, I do pray that for anybody in this congregation who maybe does not have those people here today, that they might step out, truly lean into you, and know that others care and others want to help as well. God, thank you for your incredible truths for us, for your goodness to us, for the cornerstone that is Jesus that helps us walk through life together. And Lord, even now as we continue to worship you with one last song, may we remember how good you are, how loving you are, May we rest in the eye of the storm because that's where you are. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.